welcome back to Scriptures with Mom and Terry. I'm the mom, Linda Weiniger, and today we're actually going to be reading Lamentations 1, 2, and 3, or at least covering those three chapters. Um, previously, we were covering uh, Jeremiah up to chapter 36, but there's technically 52 chapters in Jeremiah, so go read those, and then you can start with these. And there's five chapters in Lamentations, but we're only going to cover, actually, we're only going to cover one and three, I should say. <laughs> Not even like one, two, and three. So let's get into it. Okay, so the book of Lamentations, the prophet Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations after Jerusalem was destroyed. It is unknown where Jeremiah was when he wrote it. Um, he could have been in Jerusalem or in Egypt. Uh, the guide to the scripture states, after the fall of Jerusalem, the Jews who escaped into Egypt took Jeremiah with them. That you can find in Jeremiah chapter 43, 5 to 6, where according to tradition, they stoned him to death. Wow, that's sad. I don't think any prophet should go through that. I mean, I don't think any prophet should go through what Jeremiah went through. Um, in the book of Lamentations, Jeremiah used poetry to capture the terrible things he had witnessed and the awful state of Judah and Jerusalem. The entire book is a collection of five songs or poems, and the first four are acrostic poems, which are poems where the first letters of each line form a sentence. Oh, no way. That's cool. For example, in Lamentations 1 and 2 and 4, there are 22 lines, and each line began with a different Hebrew letter. Ooh. I, by the way, I'm still getting over my cold. Um, and then in Lamentations 3, there are 66 verses. Groups of three verses begin with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Then the next three begin with another letter and so on. Oh, that's cool. I want to know what those meant and said. Tell me, tell me. Um, but also, it's kind of cool, like, if you're trying to write um, a secret message to your friend... You could write a message inside word, like sentences, you know, and just tell them to take the first letter of each word. And so nobody can actually um, decipher what you're saying because they'll just read the sentence and they'll think, okay, that's the sentence. So anyway, there you go. Take some tips from the prophet Jeremiah for making secret letters to your friends <laughs> or your or your family um okay so lamentations one how does the city sit solitary that was full of people how is she become as a widow she that was great among the nations and princes among the provinces how is she become tributary she weepeth sore in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she hath none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her, and they are become her enemies. Judah is gone into captivity because of affliction and because of great servitude. She dwelleth among the heathen. She findeth no rest. All her persecutors overtook her between the straits. The ways of Zion do mourn, because none come to to the solemn feasts all her gates are desolate her priests sigh her virgins are afflicted and she is in bitterness her adversaries are the chief 
her enemies prosper for the Lord hath afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. Her children are gone into captivity before the enemy, and from the daughter of Zion all her beauty is departed. Her prince, her princes are become like hearts that find no pasture, and they are gone without strength before the pursuer. Jerusalem remembered in the days of her affliction and of her mysteries all her pleasant things that she had in the days of old when her people fell into the hand of the enemy and none did help her. The adversary saw her and did mock at her Sabbaths. Jerusalem hath grievously sinned. Therefore she is removed all that honored her despise her because they have seen her nakedness. Yea, she sigheth and turneth backward. Her filthiness is in her skirts. She remembereth not the, not her last end. Therefore, she came down wonderfully. She had no comforter. O Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy hath magnified himself. The adversary hath spread out his hand upon all her pleasant things, for she hath seen that the heathen entered into her sanctuary, whom thou didst command that they should not enter into the congregation." All her people sigh. They seek bread and have given her pleasant things for me to relieve the soul. See, O Lord, and consider, for I am become vile. In It is nothing to you, all ye that pass by. Behold, and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. From above... He, hath he sent fire into my bones and it prevaileth against them he hath spread a net of my f- for my feet he hath turned me back he hath made me desolate and faint all the day the yoke of my transgressions is bound by his hand they are re- wreathed and come up upon my neck he hath made my strength to fall the lord hath delivered me into her their hands from whom i am not able to rise up the Lord hath trodden underfoot all my mighty men in the midst of me. He hath called an assembly against me to crush my young men. The Lord hath trodden the virgin, the daughter of Judah, as in a winepress. For these things I weep, mine eye, mine eye runneth down with water, because the comforter that should relieve my soul is far from me. My children are desolate because the enemy prevailed. Zion spreadeth forth her hands, and there is none to comfort her. The Lord hath commanded concerning Jacob that his adversaries should be round about him, and Jerusalem is at a menstruous woman among them, is as a menstruous, menstruous woman among them. Okay, so as you can see, they, uh, the prophet was likening Jerusalem to a woman, <laughs> and some some insight from redheaded hostess says jeremiah began his writings by grieving over a city which was once full of people but now she was a widow which means like alone right she was once great among the nations and a princess oh that's what i meant to say a princess among the provinces but now she was a slave jerusalem is a widow princess jeremiah uses the imagery of a woman Oh, sorry. Of a woman weeping for her husband and children, a woman once great and full of life, but is now left alone and a, and a slave. All of her friends she had 
uh, once had all her political alliances, had instead dealt treacherously with her. Her security was in vain. Her glory is now gone. Her children are now dead or captured. Um, and now no one is coming for her to her feasts. Um, Jerusalem was once a place for thousands of Jews to gather to during times of feasts, but now no one is coming and her gates are desolate. Her beauty and splendor are gone and her princes are like hearts or deer. The prince, princes who were once noble and privileged are now running about like timid deer who do not have the strength or cur of courage to fight their enemy. So Jerusalem, the widow's princess, mourning is made worse because she remembers all her pleasant things that she had in the days of old. She had hoped that her friends would help her, but none did. Why did this happen to her? Because she hath grievously sinned, once grievously clothed, once gloriously clothed. Now they have seen her nakedness. Her sins were exposed. Then this important line, she remembereth not her last end. Or in other words, she not she had not considered her end or where her choices were leading her. So now all of her treasures had been seized and all her people sigh or groan as they search for food. At the end, Babylon had cut off supplies and starved the city. Um, so it is nothing to, to you, wait, it is... Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Other nations saw Jerusalem's destruction, but it was nothing to them. Therefore, Jerusalem had no friend and no one to help or comfort her in her misery. She invites others to look around and see if there is anyone else who has sorrow like unto my sorrow. Then Jerusalem admits that it was not really her enemy who had done this to her, but it had come from above. And now she was being consumed consumed down even unto her bones he has spread a net for my feet likely means that she was unable to help herself or escape she was bound up and therefore her enemy completely prevailed jerusalem now had a yoke around her neck that was wreathed wreathed meaning twisted together and it held her down so she was not able to rise up her mighty men had been trodden down and she was and she saw it happen and her daughters had been trodden like grapes in a wine press for all these reasons Jerusalem weeps and is not comforted so i think it's important for us to remember like you know it was their choices that that brought about the the destruction and downfall of Jerusalem and so first she uh it, you know, it seems like they were blaming somebody else and then they were blaming heaven. You know, that's how people, that's the cycle. You know, you don't take responsibility for your own actions. You just blame everybody else but yourself to take responsibility. And so whenever you uh, blame someone else or whenever you uh, put that responsibility on other people, it kind of binds you in your abilities to do anything. And so that's, I think that's why, um, he was saying that that she was bound not because she was actually bound but by blaming other people for your problems you can feel trapped you can feel that 
um, you don't have control. However, they were the ones that were in control of their own actions. Easily, you know, they could have listened to the prophet and made those choices to change and not be bound and not feel that, um, not feel that trauma or that trap entrapment from the choices that they had made. And that's what Satan tries to do. You know, um, we always, we always blame God for our problems when we should, you know, just be taking responsibility for our own actions. And then it would free us from that binding that Satan actually puts on us. And, um, cause we can take charge of our own actions and our own, um, consequences if we, but just choose to make a change. And so easily she could have done that. Why did the Lord keep the prophet there if he didn't think that they could make a change, right? If he didn't think that they could choose to change, he would have removed the prophet from there altogether because he's not sending prophets to do impossible things. He's sending prophets to give people direction and hope and an opportunity to change. Um, if the Lord didn't believe they could, he wouldn't waste his time by sending his prophet there. He would put them somewhere else more productive, right? At least that's, you know, what I believe. Like, I know that the Lord's not trying to be mean to Jeremiah, but he was trying to help save an entire, uh, an entire nation of people. And through his prophet because he loves us. And so, um, that's what he was trying to do. So then, okay, now we're on 17 or 18. It says the Lord is righteous for I have rebelled against his commandment here. I pray you all people and behold my sorrow. My virgins and my young men are gone into captivity. I called for my lovers, but they deceived me. My, my priests and mine elders gave up the ghost in the city while they sought their meat to relieve their souls. Okay, so that's an interesting scripture, the way that he's wording um that the way that he's wording those those two scriptures, eighteen and nineteen, um, because he says I re- have rebelled against his commandment, which is true, you know, he rebelled. Here I pray you all people and behold my sorrow, my virgins and my young men are gone into captivity, right? I called for my lovers. What are your lovers? You know, the things that you love which are you know, what are the things that you're addicted to using, you know, but they deceive me. Of course they deceive you because the things that we're addicted to are not God. And that's who we need to be addicted to. We need to be addicted to serving the Lord and wanting to do the Lord's will and getting to know the Lord and, and all those things, um, so that we can have that relationship with him and, and, and live, right? Because when we don't, they we will be deceived. I called for my lovers, but they deceived me. My priests and my elders gave up the ghost in the city. Yeah, they were not the they were not following um the Lord's commandments. They were not priests and elders who were following God's commandments. They were they gave up the ghost like they ignored it. They didn't um they didn't listen to the spirit. And um while they sought their meat, their meat, like whatever they wanted um, to relieve their souls. And so we, they were looking in the wrong place, right? 
Um, and then verse 20, behold, O Lord, for I am in distress. My bowels are troubled. Mine heart is turned within me for I have grievously rebelled abroad. The sword bereaved at home. There is a death. They have heard that I sigh. There is none to comfort me. All mine enemies have heard of my trouble. They are glad that thou hast done it. Thou wilt bring the day that thou hast called, and they shall be like unto me. Let all their wickedness come before thee, and do unto them as thou hast done unto me for all my transgressions. For my sighs, or groans, are many, and my heart is faint. And so Jerusalem admits why this has happened to her. The Lord is righteous, for I have rebelled against his commandment. True. Instead of following the Lord, she called for her lovers, but they deceived her. And now her leaders have given up the ghost. They have died because of the famine. Um, now there's none to comfort Jerusalem and her enemies are glad. And Jerusalem prays that what has been done to her will also be done to her enemies. Well, it's like it gets done to yourselves. It's like you're doing it to yourselves. Just like it's just natural consequences. Um, <clears throat> there's a... There's a picture here, and it's called Jeremiah Lamenting the Destruction of Jerusalem um, by Rembrandt, Rembrandt, 1630. Maybe look it up. Um, and it just looks like an old prophet next to, like, I don't know, like a little basin or something i don't know um and then it says above in rembrandt's depiction of jeremiah but he looks sad right um after the fall of jerusalem in the background of the painting you can see jerusalem in flames everything he had warned of during his 40 years as a prophet had come to pass the focus of the painting is on jerusalem or is on jeremiah and the background is of jerusalem's destruction and the cave Jeremiah was hiding in everything about this painting is tragic. Jeremiah's expression and body are full of sorrow and his elbow is resting upon a Bible. Oh, that's what it is. His dress is regal, capturing the former things that Jerusalem used to produce. It is hard to see in this small picture, but if you look toward the opening of the cave, there's a dark figure walking towards the left edge of the painting. The figure has his hands covering his eyes, likely representing King Zedekiah, whose eyes were put out. Um, I cannot see that, so we'll have to look it up. Okay, so that's Lamentations 1. Okay, Lamentations 3, it's a little bit longer. Okay, I am the man that has seen affliction by the, ro by the rod of his wrath. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Okay, so just from the first scripture, from the first verse, it says, Thomas B. Marsh was an original member of the Quorum of the Twelve in the early days of the restoration of the church. There came a time when Joseph Smith sent Heber C. Kimball to begin missionary work in England. And this offended Thomas Marsh because he felt that was his responsibility to make that call. Marsh then moved to Missouri where his criticism of joseph began again he sighed or he signed an affidavit about the violence among the saints and missouri government leaders used that as evidence for their persecution of the saints marsh left the church in 1838 but then decided to rejoin the church in 1850 he then moved to salt lake city and brigham young allowed him to speak to the saints 
In that speech, he used the same phrase as Jeremiah wrote in verse 1. Just like Judah, Marsh had received affliction from the Lord's rod of his wrath. Marsh said, I don't know that I can make all this vast congregation hear and understand me. My voice was never very strong, but it has been very very much weakened of late years by the afflicting rod of Jehovah. He loved me too much to let me go without whipping. Without whipping, I have seen the hand of the Lord in the chastisement which I have received. I have seen and known that has that has proved he loved me for i for if he had not cared anything about me he would not have taken me by the arm and given me such a shaking if there are any among this people who should ever apostatize and do as i have done prepare your backs for a good whipping if you are such as the lord loves but if you will take my advice you will stand by the authorities but if you will go but if you go away and the Lord loves you as much as he did me, he will whip your back again. <laughs> Amen. Right? Many have said to me, how is it that a man like you, who understood so much of the revelations of God, as recorded in the book of Doctrine and Covenants, should fall away? I told them not to feel too secure, but to take heed, lest they also should fall for I had no scruples in my mind as to the possibility of men falling away. The next question is, how and when did you lose the spirit? I became jealous of the prophet, and then I saw double and overlooked everything that was right, and spent all my time in looking for the evil. And then, when the devil began to lead me, it was easy for my carnal mind to rise up, which is anger, jealousy, and wrath. I could feel it within me. I felt angry and wrathful, and the Spirit of the Lord being gone, as the scriptures say, I was blinded, and I thought I saw a beam in Brother Joseph's eye. But it was nothing but a moat, and my and my own eye was filled with the beam. Matthew seven six. But I or seven three. But I thought I saw a beam in his and wanted to get it out. And his brother and as brother Heber says, I got mad and wanted everybody else to be mad. Well, this is about the amount of my hypocrisy. I melded, or I meddled with that which was not my business. But let me tell you, my brethren and friends, if you do not want to suffer in body and mind as I have done. If there are any of you that have the seed of apostasy in you, do not let them make their appearance, but nip that spirit in the bud, for it is misery and affliction in this world and destruction in the world to come. Thomas B. Marsh, Journal Discourses, 5 and then 206. I love that. Okay, so we're going to read 2 to 18. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely against me is he turned. He turneth his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. He hath builded against me and compassed me with gall and travail. He hath set me in the in dark places as they that be dead of old. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. Also, when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. He hath enclosed my ways with hewn stone. He hath made my paths crooked. 
He was unto me as a bear lying in wait and as a lion in secret places. He hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. He hath bent his bow and set me back, set me as a mark for the for the arrow. He hath caused the arrows of the quiver to enter into my reins. I was a derision to all my people and their song all the day. He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. And thou hast removed my soul for far off from peace. I forgot. I forgot prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Okay, Thomas B. Marsh and Jerusalem in, Jer in Jeremiah's day had a lot in common. They had both suffered because they had forsaken the Lord. They had both seen been besieged and they had both been in dark places in verse 10 judah explains that the lord oh excuse me i just want to confirm that when you leave the lord you will be in a dark place as you get closer to the lord you live in the light as you uh distance yourself from him you live in the dark that's it that's it's just that simple and i know it's com like it seems complicated and i know it's hard to do and i know all those things because i've been there i know what it's like to live in the dark and it is not good so the choice that you have is live closer to the lord and live in the light or live closer or live away from the lord and you just will live in the dark that's it i mean you feel like it's too simple, right? But it's that's it's that it's that easy. Um, and you can ask Dad; he will testify of that as well. I can testify of that to you from my own personal experiences when I was nine, uh, sixteen to nineteen, no, sixteen to twenty-one, and you can and you can ask Dad because he's experienced that too. And you know, sometimes it's kind of like Galadriel said that you have to touch the darkness to know uh which way to go towards the light um hopefully you don't have to touch the darkness for very long pray that that and i pray that maybe you don't even have to be the kind of person that has to touch the darkness maybe you're just the kind of person that can see it and can can fight it without having to to touch it and that that is the best okay um let's see Oh, yeah, sorry. In verse 10, Judah explains that the Lord was unto me as a bear lying in wait and as a lion in secret places. They felt trapped and attacked. When the archer makes his bow, he bends it and then aims his arrow at his target. This is how Judah felt. They were the target. And if the Lord was the one setting them as a target, what hope did they have? Their strength and hope perished from the Lord. Yeah, well, your strength and your hope can't be in the Lord if you're in the dark because you're focusing on the wrong stuff. Um, you can't think that the Lord's going to help you while you're still in the dark. You have to follow him. you got to go towards the light, and then he can help you. Okay. Um, 
Oh yeah, we were on number 19. Remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because he because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Okay, I love that because it's true. Even when we're in the dark, the Lord will beckon to us. He will call us. And I remember that. And he will not forget that we are in the dark. But we will ignore him. So try and seek the light. If you are in the dark, seek for those things that are calling to you from the light from the Lord, okay? Because he never gives up on calling you. It's just that we continue to ignore him, okay? He never gives up on us. Okay, um, they are new every morning. Great is, oh, so 23. Great, they are new in the morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I have Will I hope in him? The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. I remember there was a talk that says um, waiting for the Lord is a holy is a holy place, and that is so true. Waiting on the Lord is a very holy place. When you feel like you're in the dark, but you know that you're following the light, waiting on the Lord is a very holy place. Because um, sometimes we can be surrounded by light. And be focusing on the only little dark spot that there is. And feel like that is encompassing us. Because we allow the adversary to deceive us in that way. So, it's all kinds of confusing. But, again, just following the Lord will always lead you to better places, better paths, better... Just hope and love and joy. That's where that's what the Lord has for us. Okay, number uh, verse twenty-seven. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence, because he hath borne it upon him. He putteth his mouth in the dust. If so be there many be hope. He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. He is filled full with reproach, for the Lord will not cast off forever. But thou he cause but though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. Like I like that because it's like even though he there are consequences to our actions, he's still gonna have compassion towards us because he knows how hard it is for us to make choices here with our mortal bodies. We're just more susceptible to the adversary's tactics for 
number 33 for he doth not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men yeah it's just a consequence it's just a natural consequence of his actions like it's like parenting you know like we have to wash you off in the shower when you poop your pants i'm just giving you this from because we're potty training we were potty training flora right when you poop your pants we got to give you the shower i don't want to give you the shower okay like i would rather just you go potty and like that's it but it's just a natural consequence of your actions it's not that it like it's not that it was even a bad thing for you to poop your pants it's just like a consequence right so imagine if there's things that are actually bad for us those have even more consequences that the lord has just like they're just natural consequences of our actions when you drink and drive a natural consequence would be that you can't see good that your that your ability to make decisions is impaired and when it comes time to break or stop and you can't and you pass a red light and you get hit or somebody hits you uh, somebody hits you or you hit somebody, that is a natural consequence for, of your actions. The Lord cannot give you amazing reflexes and cannot give you all those things because you have chosen to not have those on purpose. And and sadly, there's consequences that follow. And hopefully you guys never have to experience those consequences. Um because that would be really sad and terrible for us. Okay, um, let's see. Okay, verse 34. To crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth, to turn aside the right of a man before the face of the Most High, to subvert a man in his cause, the Lord approveth not. Okay, so some commentary there it says but jeremiah remembered why jerusalem had been destroyed and his humbled and this humbled him and gave him hope he did not stay in his misery but he remembered what he knew which caused him to look up therefore i have hope uh jeremiah remembered that the lord had shown him mercy judah was not completely gone many were still alive and he and truly his compassions are new every morning the lord is my my portion in verse 24 meaning the lord is jeremiah's source of satisfaction and happiness the lord is good unto them that wait for him it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for salvation of the lord there was good news coming even though jerusalem was burning and even though things seemed terribly bleak good things were coming wait upon the lord and hope in him and you will see for the lord will not cast off forever Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so 37, verse 37. Who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass when the Lord commandeth it not? Out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not evil and good. Wherefore doth a living man complain a man for the punishment of his sins? Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. We have transgressed and have rebelled. Thou hast not pardoned. Thou hast covered with anger and pers persecuted us. Thou hast slain. Thou hast not pitied. Thou hast covered thyself with the cloud Thou that our prayer should not pass through. Thou hast made us 
as the off score scoring and refuse in the midst of the people. All our enemies have opened their mouths against us. Okay, commentary. Jerusalem was not just experiencing bad luck. Things do not just come to pass. Good and bad both come out of the Lord's mouth. Or in other words, he rules over all things. Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let us return, Jeremiah is is teaching. We have transgressed and have rebelled. Thou hast covered thyself with the cloud, thou that our prayer should not pass through. The cloud is not the Lord's, it is the people's sins. They put the cloud there, not the Lord. President Kimball told these two stories and then referenced verse 44. Said so there is a man who resisted release from positions in the church. He knew positions were temporary trusts, but he criticized the presiding leader who had released him, complaining that proper recognition had not been given. The time had not been propitious, propitious. Anyways, probably he didn't like the timing. It had been a reflection upon his effectiveness. He bitterly built up a case for himself, absented himself from his meetings and justified himself in his resultant estrangement. His children partook of his frustrations and his children's children. In later life, he came to himself and on the brink of the grave made an about face. His family would not affect the transformation, which now he would give his life to have them make. How selfish. Haughty pride induces eating sour grapes and innocent ones have their teeth set on edge. Eight lovely children had blessed the temple had blessed the temple marriage of a man and a woman who in later years were denied a temple recommend. They would not be so dealt with by this young bishop. Why should they be deprived and humiliated? Were they less worthy than others? They argued that this boy bishop was too strict, too orthodox. Never would they be active or enter the door of that church as long as that bishop presided. They would they would show him, right? The history of this family is tragic. The four younger ones were never baptized. The four older ones were never ordained, endowed, nor sealed. No missions were filled by this family. Today, the parents are ill, at ease, still defiant. They had covered themselves with a cloud and righteous prayers could not pass through. Oh, wow. That is crazy. And what's really sad is those are the actions of just a couple people, you know, or technically one person in each family can affect um, that kind of change. You can turn people away from the Lord almost faster than you can turn people towards the Lord. So watch what you do and watch what you say uh, specifically when it comes to being obedient to the Lord and following the Lord. Because as you make those choices um, to say bad things, to not follow the prophet, to, to be judgmental about commandments and all those things or callings and whatever, that your children will listen, they will hear, they will know from 
those choices that you're making and again it's easier to not follow Jesus Christ than it is to follow Jesus because it takes courage and Satan will be right there helping helping you in your cause to not follow um <laughs> so there so yeah just be careful okay okay 47 to 66 fear and a snare is come upon us desolation and destruction mine eye runneth down with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people mine eye trickleth down and ceaseth not without any intermission till the lord look down and behold from heaven mine eye afflicteth mine heart because of all the daughters of my city mine enemies chased me sore like a bird without cause that they have cut off my life in the dungeon and cast a stone upon me Waters flowed over mine head. Then I said, I am cut off. I called upon thy name, O Lord, out of the low dungeon. Thou hast heard my voice. Hide not thine ear at my breathing, at my cry. Thou doest, thou drewest near in the day that I called upon thee. Thou saidest, fear not. O Lord, thou hast pleaded the causes of my soul. Thou hast redeemed my life. O Lord, thou hast seen my wrong. Judge thou my cause. Thou hast seen all their vengeance and all their imaginations against me. Thou hast heard the reproach, O Lord, and all their imaginations against me. The lips of those that rose up against me and their device against me all the day. Behold, they're sitting down and they're rising up. I am their... I am their music. Render unto them a recompense, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. Give them sorrow of heart, they thy curse unto them. Persecute and destroy them in anger from under the heavens of the Lord. So Jeremiah's weeping is constant and intense. The more he looked on the destruction, the harder it was. So he will continue to weep. When the Lord looks and offers mercy to Judah, then his tears can cease. Jeremiah remembered that when he was in the dungeon of a prison, that he called upon the Lord, and thou hast heard my voice. So Jeremiah knows that the Lord hears us in our distress. His prayers of the past helped Jeremiah have faith that the Lord will hear him again. And Jeremiah knew that the Lord had been on his side. Jeremiah knew that the Lord would see how Jeremiah himself had been wronged and had been attacked by his enemies. Jeremiah then expressed faith that the Lord would judge righteously and would bring vengeance upon those who had hurt Jerusalem, which will happen. Babylon believed that they were unbeatable, but Persia's leader, Cyrus the Great, will conquer Babylon and will take over the exiles that Babylon had in their possession, allowing groups of Jews to return and rebuild Jerusalem. See the books of Ezra and Nehemiah for those stories. Okay, so that's the end of our Lamentations that we are going to be reviewing. And then um, next week we cover Ezekiel, and that'll be fun. So thanks for being here. And for, oh, and I did like to read the art study. Okay, so the the art study for this for this section that we're reading has um, Jeremiah with Jerusalem burning in the background and him writing on his scroll. And so it's kind of interesting. It says, what do you see in the art? You know, 
um, what do you think the Lord would tell Jeremiah to write down? Or why do you think the Lord would tell Jeremiah to write down the prophecies? What happened when the people ignored the prophecies? Who are some other prophets who wrote down the words of the Lord? And how can you make sure to listen to the prophets who have a message for you? Okay, so we have Sister Heidi Carter is our artist, remember? Okay, she says, why wouldn't the people listen to Jeremiah when he called them to repentance? Why would they? Why would the call of repentance seem like such a terrible thing to them? What were they believing repentance was? A consequence that a prophet was forcing on them? A prophet's purpose, purposes from the beginning of time has been to call all mankind to repent, to change from our natural man tendencies to our highest spiritual capacities. When we take offense from a prophet who calls us to a higher plane, what are our beliefs on what repentance is? What are the excuses I personally have that I personally have that keep me from repenting or sorry, what are the excuses I personally have that keep me from repenting? (laughs) Some are that the change suggested is too hard, not necessary, not necessary, or that the consequences of my actions may come so much later that I can pretend that they don't, that they won't ever come. When I can humbly and honestly call myself out on my excuses and my negative stories that I have about my repentance, Jeremiah's prophecies can serve me as he wished they could have served the people of this day, of his day. When prophets from days of old or our modern day prophets call us to repent, it is always for our benefit. We need to create space and time to read and hear these calls through the scriptures and talks and allow them to propel us to make the necessary changes to create the life that would not cause us or our loving prophets to lament the consequences. I like that. Okay, and then a quote from President Russell M. Nelson. He says, With frightening speed, a testimony that is not nourished daily by the word of God can crumble. Thus, the antidote to Satan's scheme is clear. We need daily experiences worshiping the Lord and studying his gospel. I plead with you to let God prevail in your life. Give him a fair share of your time. As you do, notice what happens to your positive spiritual momentum. April 2022 General Conference by President Russell M. Nelson. Ooh, that's such a good quote to end on. Okay, I love you and keep following the prophet. Until the next one, I'll see you later. Bye.